Kaylee, what would be your ultimate science fiction fantasy crossover? Hmm. Well, I love Stargate. Did you ever watch Stargate? Mm, I, I've seen the film many, many years ago, but that's, uh, that's it. I never the series. The TV show is like just very cheesy 90s joy. I used to watch it whenever I got home from school. And you can go to any world through those gates, which is quite nice. So you could probably have more than one crossover. And I love The Lord of the Rings, but I don't know that they'd work as a... You know what I want? Star Trek, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Trek. Lord of the Trek, yeah. Did Star you... of the Rings. Yeah, the Council of Elrond just add like some sci-fi people in. And then they've got to get the One Ring to a different planet. They'd work well. Like, um, they're both as campy as each other. Right, yeah. I'm thinking like, Picard Trek. Next generation Star Trek. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want, I don't, yeah, I think that would work better in the world of what I've created. Or could you not pick the best characters from any Star Trek and put them together? That's nice. And then they're like a fellowship. So I could have Captain Archer from Enterprise and I could mm-hmm. have, yeah, that'd be quite fun. Whoopi Goldberg. Because <laughs> then if you only do Next Generation, you don't get Janeway. But you do get Counselor Troy being like, I sense that this ring is evil just as someone has killed someone for the ring. <laughs> like stating the fucking obvious at all times. Yeah, 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 you want that. And I quite like picking them against like Gandalf because he'd be like leading the, he'd take over as captain of the ship, I reckon. And yeah, interesting one. But you could have a real testosterone kind of rivalry between Gandalf and, I don't know, anyone, Kirk or... Picard, um, I reckon. Or not Picard, not Picard. Picard's, Picard doesn't have... Well, actually, no, that would work yeah. because Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are like really good friends, so... Exactly, you want those two together in the room, don't you? So, and they'd probably be able to go ad-lib yeah. from their own friendship. I think It'd be like that sitcom that Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi did, that vicious one. Yeah. Ooh, she thinks she's giving orders. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. It's a hard question this week. What about you? It's very broad, isn't it? But I went with, and I think these two would go together. I'd love to write a crossover series or uh, movie with Carmen Sandiego hmm. and Lara Croft. Nice. Is Lara Croft sci-fi? I count her as sci-fi. There's magic involved. It's fantasy. Yeah, I always forget this bit. I mean, I, I'm not really of the movies. I'm more of the, the games. Are you thinking games or movies? Any. I mean... She's basically the same thing. Well, actually, no, she's very different in different gut in she's different in different incarnations, isn't she? Um, I would take because I grew up with the 90s version of Lara Croft where she's just very, very tough and cool. The bust. I was like, oh, yeah, the, with the <laughs> with the, the the insane breasts and and um and then Carmen San Diego has a very similar persona and very similar interests because it's all about sort of traveling the world. And finding things um, and discover and learning things as you go along, mm-hmm. but then because Carmen San Diego always goes to well-known landmarks, like she go to like the pyramids of Giza and be like, "Did you know that the pyramids of Giza were built in la 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 la?" and then give you like, lots of facts. Whereas Lara Croft would then be like, "Ah, but underneath the pyramids of Giza, there's a secret tomb." And Carmen San Diego would be like, "Bitch, no!" And Lara Croft would be like, "Bitch, yes!" And there'd be like a sort of friendly rivalry slash friendship going on. I love that. Would you would you have the same people? Who would you have play your real life version of Lara Croft? I mean, I, I grew up with Angelina Jolie, so I don't. I I I'd, I think she's still athletic enough to play the part. Yeah, and I quite like the idea of an older, wiser. 
Ooh, yeah, yeah, that would work. Mentoring almost. I don't know. There is literally a multitude of people who could play either of those roles. Um, I'd want to like, um, you know, because they're both originally white. I wouldn't want to have them both white. I'd want to like actually just see a wide variety of actresses of any age, any gender, any um, any race, any whatever, and then just be like, see what works basically. Cause I think it would be, it would be very much driven by the partnership and the relationship between the two, much like the Avengers. That's very nice. I want Xena warrior princess now. You've made me remember her. Yeah. Xena in the world of the Lord of the Rings would just get that ring sorted like in instance. I never watched it, but I've seen images of it. Oh, it's nice. And it's like one of the first ones, I mean, it's not overtly LGBTQ plus, mm. but it is. As I mentioned, one of the early, like, nice relationships between a, a lesbian couple. The, like most 90s TV shows, it's like, it's hinted at, but it's not really... Well, it's like J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beast. They're like, oh, yes, we mingled blood. Does that mean we're gay? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Subtle, apparently. Subtlety is only the way, way forward in the 90s. Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time. And with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not so good aspects of the MCU and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. I'm intrigued to discuss this one with you. Avengers Age of Ultron. I said the most controversial movie in the franchise, perhaps. Is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Is it? Okay, okay. Well, let me give you my two cents on it, and then you can... I'll tell you if you're right. You can go, you'll tell me if I'm correct in this. So yeah, I really liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. But it doesn't displace any of my top three. Mm -hmm. um, my top three are currently The Avengers, the first one. Then number two is Captain America Winter Soldier. And number three is Iron Man 2. But I would put it in the upper tier, along with Thor The Dark World. And I know your thoughts on that one. Um... And then there's like a middle tier where I've put like Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy, the other two Iron Man films, and then the bottom tier, which is like Captain America, the first Avenger and Hulk. So you're not including the TV series in your- No, no, this is, the TV series is on a very much more complex and different scale. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, requires much more graph work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's I'm, it's like um, that meme of the woman who's like looking really confused and all the they mathematical equations appear on her, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it controversial? I'm intrigued. Oh, I don't know if I want to save it when we get to it in the plot. No, okay. I, I can tell you now. Would you prefer to know now? Tell, tell me now briefly and we can go into details later on maybe. It upset feminists. Really? Yeah, and that's why I was like thinking Paul is very in tune with the feminist world and the patriarchy. So I'm intrigued to see if he picks up on this. Upset feminists. Um, I guess there aren't many, there are, there are only like two female characters, really, major it's ones. That very specific moment. Very specific moment. Is it the death of the male twin? 
No, but that no. was obviously very upsetting. <laughs> well, it's, I, I thought maybe they would comment on the fact that the female twin sort of finds her power because a man dies. Ah, a man yeah. in her life dies rather than just finding it within herself. I mean, it depends. It's open to interpretation, like whether you agree with them or not. But that backlash is why, well, why Joss Whedon came off Twitter for a while. Right. And he also doesn't do any more Avengers movies after this. Oh, really? Oh, okay. What's your what's your overall thoughts on it? Like, do you agree with me or do you? Um, I guess I agree with you in the sense that I don't rate it as one of my tops. I find it really like um one of the most forgettable of the films. Mm-hmm. It's not one that I went into remembering at all what happened. I was just sort of like, I'm pretty sure a city floats and then like some mind control and they are in Russia, maybe? That's kind of how I went in. Like, I don't remember anything of this movie. So it feels like a filler almost between the other movies. I um, thought, yeah, I can see why that would happen because I think um, it was good. Like it was exciting. The characters are fun to watch and get involved with. My only criticism of it is that there's a huge amount packed into this film. Yeah. I, I don't feel like they managed to get all the characters in properly. Some characters were kind of left by the wayside. And there was a lot of, they were trying to get in a lot of themes, some of which I felt they could have dispensed with or could have just picked and chosen and stuff. Because they were good themes, but it was just so much in a film that doesn't even reach two and a half hours. Yeah, I agree. And obviously there is this controversial backlash which I am still figuring out my opinions on even now okay so. well you can alert me to it as we go through the plot I will <laughs> as we progress so we begin already I was laughing we begin in Sokovia in, <laughs> and it's it's labeled as Sokovia Eastern Europe and I was like that's not a real place I know that's not it cannot possibly be a real place and I so I searched Sokovia on Google Maps and there is a place called the Sokovia District, but it's in a city in Indonesia. Yeah, I like the idea that they just were like, what sounds Eastern European? Sokovia? Ovia is very good. <laughs> and let's let's pick a place where um, everyone, we, we as Americans uh, see everyone as a bit poor and a bit grey and not able to defend themselves from the onslaught of corrupt people. Yeah. Um, let's go with Eastern Europe. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had eastern europe yet so they're working their way through the stereotypes they are they, they've they've been to germany they're moving across a little bit but they've they've had russia yeah that's true so we know that eastern europe is like prone to turning evil maybe but will they won't they <laughs> eastern europe needs our help it's yeah. very it was so team america um, well, this film is very team america right? it really is a little bit <laughs> Yeah, I mean, exciting, but yeah, very Team America. (laughs) Earnest Team America played for seriousness rather than laughs. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, So it it goes straight into it with this big battle scene where the Avengers are working together to obtain Loki's scepter from evil baddies. And the evil baddies are in like a kind of old fortressy thing. Um, (laughs) And the Avengers ultimately succeed in getting the scepter and getting rid of the baddies. However, this also introduces to the twins who we saw in a post-credit scene or mid-credit scene or something. Um, and the twins are like two very powerful, they call them the enhanced, which is a word I've heard used in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's like people with powers, yeah. I assume. Yeah, yeah. And the male twin can, he can move really fast and the female twin can, well, she can do everything. <laughs> 
She's mind control. <laughs> she is mind control. She has telekinesis. And she, generally just kind of moves really cool. She's Carrie if she grew up and escaped from she that. Yeah. She is probably one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. Right. Is she Scarlet Witch? Yes. Because I've heard of Scarlet Witch. So when when she's like, when Elizabeth Olsen is moving her fingers and red stuff was coming out, I was like, red is Scarlet. This must be Scarlet Witch. Yeah, they did. They didn't. Um, they don't use their names really in the film because at all. I don't think. I mean, they call her witch at one point. Like, oh, she's a witch. Um, yeah. But they mainly just call her Wanda. Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> when I think of Wanda, I just think of the Fairly Odd Parents. Did you ever watch that? Yeah. That was so funny. So I just think of like a sort of old fairy godmother. <laughs> well, I, I think she kind of reclaims that name. <laughs> um, and throughout this battle, the female twin demonstrates her powers by, so she, uh, Tony manages to get in and get the scepter, but then she gives him this image of the Avengers all dead. It's very sort of, um, what's the thing that makes Molly Weasley see her family dead? Oh yeah. The boggart. Boggart? Is it a boggart? It is right a boggart. Yeah, it is a yeah. she's a boggart. <gasps> a sexy boggart. She's a sex she's a sexy cool cool Eastern European boggart. Yeah. And uh and Tony sees the Avengers all dead and he sees Captain America be like, it's your fault, Tony. Why? Why? <laughs> but it will mess with him. We know he's he's prone to anxiety and PTSD situation now. So And probably. Captain America is prone to being sanctimonious, so that's very true. That's his vibe. Even in his, his last dying words, he's like, why did you do it? Not like me. <laughs> I am so noble and I miss Peggy so much. I wonder if she's <laughs> thinking about me right now and not throwing my blood into a river. <laughs> <laughs> and we also see how uh, Black Widow is able to calm Hulk down. She's like the one to de- to stabilise him once they don't need him anymore. So she does a, like a lullaby and she like holds his hands and talks to him and does this whole does that whole process so they're like they're bonding and they're falling in love with each other over that I personally never really saw them as a couple but that's it it does feel a bit like oh okay this is happening now they're, yeah, they're falling in love like, oh all the people she had chemistry with before no okay this person that she's never had chemistry that seems fine that's cool so maybe she's just like I like Mark Ruffalo too well, that probably was it. Maybe she had a choice. Or put her hand in a hat and then pulled out, which one's going to be your love interest? They just, she <laughs> spun a wheel. <laughs> I have to have one, so I guess it will be Bruce. <laughs> there were some really satisfying moments in this action scene. Like I like the bit where um, they were like, can someone destroy that bunker, please? And Hulk just like runs through it. And they go, thanks. Yeah, it's very, and, uh, you work well as a team, don't you? But I thought Tony got rid of the suits in Iron Man 3. You know, he can always make more. So he, he's had just... a, he had a little spanner, didn't he? He was like, oh, maybe I'll go make some more. <laughs> he never okay. gets suits. He'd be useless if he had no suit. He'd just be jogging along behind him, never able to catch up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. The suit makes him. But I thought they'd have a moment where he'd be like, oh, yeah, let me get the suit out again. It's been a while, but let's go for it. Just but... off. Well, he worked on the original suit he had, didn't he? So I guess this mm. is the OG. Anyway, that all happens. They get the scepter. They go back to New York City. And Tony wants to apply the Scepter's power to a program he's developing called Ultron. And Ultron is designed to protect the world from future alien attacks. Because they're all a bit like, we did have an alien attack. Yeah, and nothing could go wrong with that. That sounds like a really good plan to me. This this sounds great. He's he's evidently never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. Or Or iRobot. Or iRobot. It was so (laughs) iRobot, this was. Yeah. Um, 
so but he's working with Bruce uh, Banner on this um, and they they walk around the lab looking pensive and thoughtful but they just don't seem to be able to manage it why can't we do it they do work well together those two don't they I like that they're friends yeah they are they're, I, it's understandable because they're the geniuses they would have been more of a predictable couple than <laughs> Bruce and yeah maybe they should be falling in love yeah yeah I'd like that um, so they're ultimately unsuccessful and they're like, oh, let's call it a night. And they go down to some some party that they're having. Yeah. However, it turns out they are inadvertently successful. And yeah. there's like darkness and suddenly this voice of Ultron awakes. This was cool, this bit. This this gave me shudders. Um, and he talks to Jarvis and Jarvis is like, who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm Ultron. And, and he wakes up and he subdues Jarvis and basically inhabits all the machines and the internet and stuff that Tony has. Mm. He doesn't have a full body. He's more like, he's like Bluetooth. Yeah. He's like a bad dog that's moved in. And the old dog's like, what are you doing? We don't, we don't do that. Mm. And then he's like, now I'm going to fuck up the house. And the other dog's he's, like, oh. He's those racist cats in Lady and the Tramp. Yes, he's the racist cats. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's those. Yeah, he's that's them. I like, I just think Jarvis sounds so sweet. He's like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Please do not. I do not wish you to do that. Then, so then we go to the party scene. Everyone's having a good time. I love that to- Like they, they they, didn't have room for any of the female leads in this. So Tony and Thor are boasting about their girlfriends. Is this the bit? No, oh. but that is, I do. I like that bit because I find that funny because Thor's like, mine's a, an astrophysicist genius. <laughs> and she's getting a Nobel Prize. And then Tony's like, well, mine's a billionaire businesswoman. And yeah. <laughs> It's and they're, they're like, they're competing over how much their girlfriends achieve. And I think that was actually really cool. I like that. Nice. It was, that was typical Whedon feminism in the world of his pop culture franchises, I think. Yeah. The, the lack of them in the film was a bit disappointing, though. I was hoping for a bit of it. But it was, I think they were just like, well, we need to acknowledge the fact that they exist. So let's have this little scene in. Yeah. And those women are busy. They are busy women. They've got their own lives. Yeah. One's gooping, one's... I don't know when Black Swan was. Maybe she's black swanning. Who knows? <laughs> black Swan. That was a few years beforehand. Maybe she's just sitting with her Oscar at home like, I am a great actress. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know why she's been since then. She must have been some stuff. Uh, oh, she, she did Jackie. Oh, yeah. She was very good in Jackie. She did Jackie, yeah. Then as the party's winding down, Ultron attacks and he's inhabited one of the... Um, one of the sort of like Iron Man suit things that one of the many things that Tony has basically and he talks about the extinction of the Avengers Mm. or something like that he sort of talks vaguely about doing a bad thing so they're like so they manage to sort of get rid of him for now but he like disappears into the internet ether and goes away and there's like a little fight scene between them Um, and everyone is understandably a bit pissed off at Tony and Bruce about this because they're like why did you make this? (laughs) I don't know, that was the thing, isn't it? They need Jeff Goldblum there to be like, just because you can, why did, what do you think about whether you should? <laughs> they need Jeff Goldblum and they need Laura Dern to come in and give them a moral, uh, some moral guidance. Yeah, yeah. This, this whole film had themes of like iRobot, Frankenstein, uh, mm-hmm. 2001 Space Odyssey, lots of like the over, overarching theme is about us taking technology too far so that it eventually takes over us. That's what Ultron, Ultron's basically the, um, the bat, like the Terminator. Yeah, it's like a Black Mirror episode, really. It's very much a Black Mirror episode with a little bit more fun. No, you don't come away like traumatised and wondering about your place in the world. Let's face it, Black Mirror is fucking miserable. 
Um, meanwhile, the twins have allied with Ultron, and the reason it they reveal that the reason is that their parents were killed by a Stark weapon back when their Eastern European country was unstable because all Eastern European countries are unstable, apparently. Yeah, they knew it was a Stark weapon as well. They must have read it as it sped towards. No, that's what they said was that the <laughs> shell had the word Stark on it. They were like, "Grr, Stark." I hate that thing. I mean, I would just assume it's different, like standard tornado arc reactor kit or something i would not even know it was a person's name i know i'd be more like the government america (laughs) (laughs) so but but both the avengers and ultron and his sort of he has like a robot army ultron Mm. they all head to andy circus who plays a dodgy south african dealer of the world's strongest metal and it's called like valerium or something like that i can't remember what it was now i like the way you pronounce it though I can't, I can't remember what it, it was, something like Valorium or Van, Vananovium or... Yeah. They meet each other and they fight. And Andy Serkis then disappears after that scene. He's a bit underused. Well, yeah, but he's also very busy, man. He's a busy man, but I get this was one of those points where I was a bit like, oh, okay, we've, we've moved on from him very quickly and we're going on to another fight scene and we're going to move on from that. And it's a, it was something that I feel, feel like was crammed in. They could have told that, that bit of the story a little bit more fluidly, maybe. Yeah, I do as well. I sense with this film there was a lot in the post edit that they cut. Mm. That was not supposed to be, or they wanted more of the action, less of the boring talking plot. So, mm, yeah. yeah, and to fit the 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 structure that you said they have, where it's, it's got to be sort of action every so many minutes or something. Um, but during this fight, where the, the twins are present and Thor, Captain America, and Black Widow all are given hallucinations by. Um, by uh, the the female twin. What are their name? What are the twins' names? So Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, and he's called like Pietro Pietro. Yeah, um, he's Wanda. Um, and Is all their hallucinations are very much tapping into their insecurities and stuff. Um, yeah. Whose did you enjoy the most? They were all fine. Um, a Black Widow's was kind of interesting. But then it was hard to enjoy them because I was like, I don't know if these are actual memories or whether she somehow tapped into insecurities and it's more like a dream. Yeah. I kind of got the idea that it was a memory, but a bit tweaked. Tweaked, yeah, yeah. Tweet. Made worse. I guess yeah. it's like, it's when you remember something that happened that probably wasn't that bad, but you remember it with like really badly tinted perception. Yeah, um, yeah. And Everybody you're like, oh, it was awful, but actually it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no one noticed. It was just you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought with Black Widow, they go back in back. They'd show what, what was it that they keep referring to? The hospital. They can yeah. be like, do you remember the hospital? She's like, <gasps> it's a bit like Gavin and Stacey's fishing trip at this point, because they just keep <laughs> and you're like, can we find out more about the hospital? And they're like, no, we're just going to drop you a new clue every time. <laughs> It's like I said last time we spoke about this, they need to add in more ridiculous things. Like they need to be like, Jimmer, the hospital, the kittens, the blood. <laughs> I'd be like, what happened to the kittens in the hospital? <laughs> and the whisk. And the whisk. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, I like that. And she's like, it was dark. We had to remove our clothes. And you're like, what? <laughs> and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> oh, and then, um, but uh, Hulk then hulks out. Bruce hulks out. Um, and Tony has to subdue Bruce because Black Widow is um, stuck in her hallucinatory world. Um, and this causes a lot of mass destruction because Hulk is so difficult to bring down. Um, and like lot, literally a 
fuck ton of buildings get destroyed and i'm surprised there aren't like blood and guts and limbs flying around from all these poor people having to run <laughs> run away this is the team america bit with it we did it we stopped the bad guys <laughs> well they do they do deal with it so once hulk has been subdued and he's back to being bruce banner he is like he mark ruffalo is a good actor here he he just looks utterly destroyed by it he's horrified by the fact that when he turns into hulk he's so supremely dangerous and needs black widow to like calm him down if necessary yeah. he's very reliant on her and that like she is a human character. Like she's not one of the strong superheroes. It's not a great. Mm. They need like a plan B for when that happens. Exactly. Yeah. There's. There's. That's his big sort of character arc. Is that he's like, I want to be part of the Avengers, but I could end up killing so many innocent people. Yeah. In my guise, and that must be quite heartbreaking because you can see like Captain America and Thor, and they've got their weapons and they've got full control of everything they have, and then instead you just turn into a big green destructing machine. So after all this fight. Hawkeye takes them to a safe house, which turns out to be his family home, and he has a wife and children. I know what a surprise. You wouldn't yeah. have him act as a family man, would you? No, but I think it was it was a nice little original touch. It was like, oh yeah, by the way, I've got a wife and kids. I just don't talk about them. I got the impression that he, as the producers were like, look, Hawkeye, he's like the one who we haven't like he's got bow and arrow, and that's about it. Like we could dispense from very easily. So why don't we explore the idea that he does there is more of a need for him? And the need for him is like to introduce a family life. Yeah, it also makes him more, oh, what's the word? Like you worry about him a bit more now. Yeah. Like a humanity. You're like, oh God, if he dies, it will ruin some people's lives much more than it will just upset audiences. Exactly. Yeah. There are, there's more than us feeling upset here. Um, we see some bonding between Bruce and uh, Natasha, Black Widow. What kind of bonding would you say they were doing? What were they, they were like, They were doing some proper flirting. Like they were eye fucking each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, by flirt, like, proper flirting, I mean, she's literally like, yeah, I just had a shower. I'm all wet. And he's like, oh, no, I can't possibly. I might turn. She's like, you might not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but meanwhile, Thor is worried about Asgard. So he flies off and he goes to see Stellan Skarsgård, who's at our alma mater. Yeah. Royal Holloway. Is for like a second. But it's nice to see it, isn't it? It's nice to see it, yeah, yeah. We long left by the time they were filming there. <laughs> I know, but it's nice to pretend that we were still there in the halls, peering out the windows, like, oh, look! Absolutely. <laughs> we should have we should have carved our names into that bit of the bit of the wall on on the building, and then a bit like, uh, is it Shelley who has his name like carved into one of the Cambridge colleges or something? Oh my god, yeah, that could have been us. Well, we could always sneak back in. But they'd know it was us. We'd probably get done actually for vandalism. Um, and he's he's consulting Selen Skarsgård about things, and he goes to to like a mysterious lake. This got confusing. I was like, "What the hell is this lake?" And the lake, when he goes into the underground lake, he sees stuff about the Infinity Stones, and things start to add up for him. Yeah. What the hell was this lake? I didn't get this. I don't know. I kind of assume they based it on like the Lady of the Lake mythology and uh. the Norse one, but it's like a lake of knowledge magic yeah <laughs> magic it's just a magic lake and it helps develop the plot well pretty much yeah and it's good for him to like process his feelings and process the thoughts that he's had and his visions so it's a spa it's a little bit like a spa yeah it's a spa fair enough um but then nick fury shows up at hawk's hawkeye's um safe house yeah. And they brainstorm some way. They have a little like managerial meeting and brainstorm some ways to defeat Ultron. 
and they realize they need to contact a scientist called Helen Cho, who we've seen already. She's been in it a little bit. And she's this scientist who has a contraption called the cradle, which is yeah. which Ultron is after. And the cradle is like a sort of Frankenstein's monster thing. It can create, it's to create a human or something. Yeah. I or guess. or an enhanced to create enhanced the human or something like that. And yeah. if Ultron uploads himself to the cradle he'll no longer have to inhabit machinery he can inhabit like an actual human form but an enhanced human form yeah it's like the cradle i guess literally is it brings forth life that's why he didn't kill her at the party <laughs> oh yes yes because he nearly kills her and then he chooses not to yeah that makes then, sense you shall come in useful later woman who we've just met and not <laughs> he was not killed for a reason <laughs> So yeah, Ultron arrives at the cradle first, but the twins discover what the Ultron's what Ultron's plan is, and they are horrified because it's just as bad as what they've been through. I don't know why they didn't do this, but they check in with everyone that they consider working with before they say yes. I don't understand why that was like they waited so long in the game. Yeah, no, it's too late now. They signed the contracts. Yeah, because Ultron Ultron's overall plan is to create like mass destruction of humans, but then evolve them. Well, just. Get rid of them all. Start again. Get, get rid of them all and involve them using technology so that they're better. Yeah. Very so like, like Cybermen. Yes. Oh my God. Like Cybermen. Yeah. Like Cybermen, basically. Yeah. Um, and he gets hold of the cradle, but the Avengers attack him, and there's a big car chase where they manage to get the cradle back from him. And they have a big argument around the cradle because uh, the twins are like, I don't think we should give this cradle to Tony Stark because he killed our parents with a bomb. And I'm like, that's fair. And Bruce is also like, the same thing's going to happen again if you get your hands on Because Tony's got that look in his eye of, oh, we could use this for this, this and this. And Bruce is like, no, no. <laughs> Do you remember what happened last time? We didn't learn anything there, did we, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> but this is where I think some of the themes were getting a little bit muddled and all over the place and not fully explored is that I like the idea that Ultron wants to destroy humanity to kind of improve us. That's very iRobot, is that to, to ensure the safety and the evolution of humanity, you kind of have to destroy humanity because we are destructive creatures. It's a good, I really like that. As I think I even said that for my villain, my dream, what, what kind of supervillain I'd be. I'd be like, I was trying mm. to do good, but I ended up killing everyone. I think yeah. it's a good, good MO because you're like, I'm not just, I think I'm a nice person, which I think yeah. is yeah, I think it's a very interesting philosophical concept that sci-fi can explore really, and has explored quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you've also got this theme of humans taking science too far, like th making things that actually destroy us. Um, and they didn't, it, it's, it's all just kind of in there, but not fully explored. It, it, after these scenes, it kind of, I think it kind of gets forgotten about a little bit in place of action sequences. Yeah, I do as well. It's a, that's what I mean by it being a bit forgettable. Like the plot, you don't really remember because it's almost just too overwhelming with how much action there is on screen. Yeah, and you need if you're having these themes, you kind of need a moment of oh, like towards the end, you need to it, like you need a black mirror moment of kind of seeing yourself. Yeah, you do reflected in it, but it doesn't manage to quite go that far. Um, but then Thor bursts in during this argument and he hits the cradle with his hammer and all the energy then creates a new person. And this new person is Jarvis in human form. But Were he's you called... expecting this? No, no, this was kind of yeah. cool. And I like that it's it's, play, it's Paul Bettany himself playing it, isn't it? Yeah. He's it like, is. I have finally get to meet everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, but he's called Vision. He's not Jarvis. He's not some... He's, He's vision. 
he's the vision or is it more because he was like i'm more than that and then he said something and i was like i don't i still don't understand but you look good <laughs> he does look colorful as well <laughs> yeah and he has the mind stone in his head oh that was one of my questions did you notice which stone it was That's well they that. told us <laughs> Were you paying attention? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I paid attention because they said they got the Mind Stone head, which is one of the Infinity Stones. Where did the Mind Stone come from? Was it in the cradle? It was in Loki's stuff. Oh, I see. Right. Oh, because he can control people's minds with the stuff. <gasps> yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes together in the end. And it does all come together because we enter the final denouement. And uh, they all band together. They go back to the lovely place of Sokovia, which the tourist industry in Sokovia must be booming right now. I bet every time the Avengers come out, they're all like, oh, for fuck's sake. Not <laughs> <here again." laughs> Leave Sokovia alone. Go outside. Go anywhere else. <laughs> but shit goes, well, shit goes up in Sokovia due to go down because basically Ultron's plan is to use various contraptions to like raise the city above and go up and up and up and if it then falls down that will create the big explosion to wipe out humanity your classic villain plot floating city classic villain plot i mean yeah they all do it it's very cliche um and it kind of lead they they're all like uh all the all the superheroes are on sokovia it's floating up and up and up and they're kind of like oh shit we've got to like destroy this city but that will kill all the people in the city to save the whole world and obviously Freaking Captain America's like, we can't do that. And Black Widow's like, bitch, yes, we can. We need to. <laughs> well, I know, but I think it is important that you have someone who is there to stand against the utilitarian argument. To show you the pros and cons. Yeah, because it is it is a big weighty thing. Like, it's that same thing with the, the train, isn't it? Like, oh, do you kill this one person or many people? And it's, it's like, the train thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, obviously that is the better option, one person, but it's still a life and it should be as valuable as all the other lives. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, you need that there for balance, I think. Thankfully, Fury and Hill turn up in ships and they're like, we can evacuate the city in our ships. Yay. Yeah. And I do, I, lo I, I was thinking about this as I was writing up notes about it. And I was like, I, I genuinely was like, oh, thank goodness they're here. And then I was thinking back and I was like, at what point did they actually disappear? And actually it was just Fury was at, Hawkeye's safe house he's like right we got a plan then the yeah. next scene it's just some of the Avengers fighting him and Fury and Hill just get forgotten about for about 15 to 20 minutes and then they turn up just when Joss Whedon needs them <laughs> they were busy getting the petrol for the ships I know and it, once once you sort of dissect it all I'm like I wasn't led down a rabbit hole I just forgot about them yeah which again proves the forgettable theory of this film. I know. <laughs> yes. They're they're evacuating it. And then the Avengers have to defend the core center of it. Because if Ultron gets his hands on that, the city falls, the whole world gets destroyed, and it's it's end of days. Uh the male twin, Peter, or Pietro, whatever his name, Quicksilver, he yeah. is killed by Ultron. Um, because he was trying, Hawkeye was trying to save a child because Hawkeye's a father and a family man. <laughs> and the male twin was protecting him and just got in front of him just as Ultron was shooting, but and the, the, he dies. And the female twin, of course, senses this. She's like, Rawr! and she <laughs> kind of like zaps out Ultron away. She's very powerful. She is very powerful. I felt like the male twin was really underwritten. Yeah. I mean, again, a forgettable plot. When I was about to rewatch this, I was like, there is a 
boy twin. What is his name? What is his power? Yeah. And it's a bit naff because he, he's Quicksilver, which is a, you know, he's a character in the comics, but he's barely there. And like, yeah, he runs fast, but they don't really utilize that in a cool way, I don't think. Exactly. And I get that they don't want to invest too much time into him because obviously the whole plan was for him to die in the story, but they probably needed to just give him just a few more lines or some more of a personality so that his death would actually be a big deal. I guess they're hoping that they've invested more time into Wanda and that we will feel her pain for her. But again, like she's, they kind of hold, they don't want you to get too invested because they're holding her back almost because they're like, oh, she's a villain. Then it's a trick. Yeah. <laughs> then it's yeah. going to be part of the group. I mean, we're not there on the plot yet, but she'll become like a good redemption arc mm. situation. Yeah, so they succeed. They get all the people out um, and then Thor and Tony destroy the floating city while it's floating above. So then no one has to die. It's one of those perfect situations, isn't it? It all just comes together very How nicely. They still destroy quite a big chunk of the city. It's very fortunate for them that there is always a way to save the day. And there is also, all, also these disasters or villains all only come one at a time. Yeah, if they all came at once, you'd be screwed. Hulk helps out, but he's still damaged from danger. He's worried about his own danger on other people. So he flies away on a plane and Natasha tries to contact him, but he hangs up on her. Rude, right? Rude. <laughs> then Vision slash Paul Bettany meets the remains of Ultron and finally destroys him. And they have a little discussion about how uh, Vision says, a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. And he says, like, humanity is destructive, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's not a great thing, but I get what he means, that you can't have a perfect thing. Yeah. Really. You wouldn't appreciate the good without the bad. Mm. Kind of the vibe, I guess. And it's also the idea that um, we are, you know, that diagram of uh, where you put the whole of Earth's history into a clock form, and yeah. we are just the final minute of that clock. And it really shows how we're not, the pinnacle of evolution at all we're still we're just a ne the next part in a very very long chain and yeah. it may well be that in millions of years humanity will die out and be replaced with someone else um, yeah and then it ends with so thor comments that infinity stones keep surfacing so he goes off to investigate he's being detective in this um which you wouldn't it, expect from him no you wouldn't but i guess that is kind of his big purpose is that if the infinity stones are in various places in space and different like multiverses and stuff he's the one who can travel between them very easily so he's going to have to do all that yeah but he says four infinity stones have now surfaced now i'd like to just check this <laughs> so we got the mind stone in this film yeah there was one inside the tesseract yeah and there was one inside loki's scepter mm -hmm. what was the fourth I assume he's not thinking about the one in Guardians of the Galaxy because he was not in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, well, no, he must be. Sorry, yeah, that would be it, the purple one. Oh, really? Oh, okay. He's not in it, but he might have heard about it through the grapevine. Wait, no, sorry. No, the one in Loki's scepter is the Mind Stone. So, sorry, we've yeah. got the Mind Stone, we've got the Tesseract, we've got the one in Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe he maybe, maybe he heard about it on the social media in Asgard or something. <laughs> Infinity Stones found in which films? The Space Stone is in the Tesseract. That's space. Okay. Mind Stone was in the Scepter. Yeah. The one in Guardians of the Galaxy, was that power? Four Dark World, the Reality Stone. Oh, the stuff that Jane gets infected with. It's to do yeah. with that, isn't it? Yes. 
And then the power stone is in Guardians. Guardians. So that was reality in, ah, that was reality in Thor The Dark World. Okay. So there we go. That's why we got confused. It's because it doesn't look all that stony. And then it ends there. And there's a mid credit scene where we see Thanos picking up a very fine glove and saying, I'll do it myself. So he- A very fine glove. I love that. A very fine glove. (laughs) Yeah. The Infinity Gauntlet. Well, we didn't really touch upon the controversial scene. What was the controversial feminist scene then? Well, let me get it for you because I've written the quote out. It's when Natasha and Bruce are chatting and he's going, I'm a monster. And she's like talking about how she was sterilized. You don't have to think about it. And then she's a monster too. Yes, I remember now. She has a whole scene where she talks about that. Yeah. So people were very upset by this because they, for many reasons, mm. the reasons are many fold, but the primary one was that it sort of implies that a woman's worth is determined by her reproductive status. That's mm. how they interpreted it. Others interpreted it as her saying like, you know, she's a killing machine and that's why she's a monster rather than mm. the, that she can't have kids. But it became a big, big, big problem. And people were like tweeting, just with like, oink, oink, misogynist. <laughs> Constantly. It's difficult, um, isn't it? We're, she's essentially, yeah, I remember this scene and she's essentially talking about um, FGM, isn't she? Yeah. Like female genital mutilation, which is a very traumatizing and illegal in this country thing to do. And we should all look out for signs and symptoms of a woman or girl being a victim of this, potentially being a victim of this. I guess I can see where people are coming from when they say that it's problematic. Um, but you could also put on the interpretation that she is still uh, dealing with the trauma of what she went through and therefore um, be it's it, I guess a little bit like losing a limb you yeah. would have a moment of I'm I'm nothing I'm like some like deformed thing or something yeah. like that um, I mean I'm not I have I don't have a female body I don't I will never know what it's like <laughs> um, I think it's symptomatic of the script being cut a lot for action as well because they don't really get a chance to explore it and a lot of people who I was going to say studied Whedon who are fans of Whedon and the universities he's created will know that he always has very strong female figures but Mm. they're always in positions where they're they're controlled by what we like to call collectively the patriarchy so you've got Buffy who's sort of overseen by all these old watchers and masters and rules Mm. you've got in Firefly there's River Song, who's like this young girl who's got amazing powers, but it's because she was experimented on by men and her mind is crazy as a result. And then in Dollhouse, you've got like a weird escort service situation going on. Like, And like there were other interpretations, obviously, of this whole situation. Like some people were like, it's not that she's upset about the fact that she can't have kids. It's that the choice has been taken away from her. So she doesn't have the choice. That's mm. removed from her. And then Whedon's given her the power to like physically hit the representations of the people who took this choice away from her. But I think in context, like in wider context, like if you, I think you've said this, like in the first film, she's a very different character. In the second film, she's a very different character. Like she's a different, she's not very well developed as a character. Like she's not consistently the same in every film. I guess not, but I saw her as becoming gradually more human as she becomes more um not so much a colleague of the Avengers but a friend of them Mm. because she starts off as extremely aloof and so well trained to the point where she's a robot but as she becomes with each film that goes by each appearance that she has 
she's becoming a little bit more she's working against the training that she had to become a bit more humanized and a bit more like not only do I not only are these people good to work with but I'm actually becoming friends with them and I like them and she's gradually sort of um showing more warmth and more openness they do talk about in in the party scene at the beginning they are they do say oh she's very difficult to get to know like she's very sort of closed off but there are now scenes where she's opening up to Bruce Banner and therefore she can then process the trauma that she has been through yeah that's an interesting way of looking at it but I think a lot of people would just say she doesn't feel like she's got a coherent arc like some of the male characters and right it feels more she's a bit like there is a sign of tokenism, I guess. Like people were quite angry in the run up to this film that there was no Black Widow merch. Like all the other superheroes, like you could buy like a little kid's costume of it, or you could buy like a little plastic figure, but there were no Black Widow ones. And people were like, well, she's clearly just here to tick a box. She's not given a recognizable costume, no. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it is jarring that she's the only female in the Avengers. Yeah. I mean, they've now introduced Scarlet Witch, I guess, but that's two out of now about 10. Yeah, and I think in today's day and age, like having a woman, like it doesn't feel as, well, I don't know, like people are like, oh, but there's a woman in it playing like a superhero role. It's like, well, that's not really enough nowadays. You kind of need a bit more than just mm. that. So people people were upset, it caused a lot of problem. I think mainly the reason they got upset was because Joss Whedon presents himself fairly or not fairly depending on how you feel about him as a feminist he creates very feminist work like Buffy is probably one of the biggest like ass kicking super heroines out there yeah. so you can't really deny that it's given us strong female role models and I think because of that with this whole scene mm. it was taken very badly by people you probably just needed I think I don't think the scene itself was bad but maybe it needed to be they needed to have a rethink about what she actually says in the scene yeah. and how it plays out just in that one scene really because um it seems that i think people wouldn't be so angry about her character arc if that scene had been had been played out in a slightly more sensitive way because it is it is touching on something that does happen in real life and is re incredibly abusive yeah so i think that was the problem there i mean yeah. it would be interesting maybe for you to go and read some of the there's loads of like really big think pieces on it. And I think we didn't come out and really clarify what was meant by the script until quite a lot later. And people were annoyed by that because they wanted him to come out straight away and be like, no, that's not what she's saying. She's saying. Well, he probably, he probably has to think very carefully about what he says. I think so too. I don't, how he says it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I've always liked his work. That's the problem. So I'm like, mm. I think he's a good guy, but I mean. It... Like, you know, you can like someone's work and they can turn out to be not a perfect human being. Exactly. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo actually got involved in the um, debate around why there was no Black Widow merch. Because he was saying like, Disney's basically like, we don't need to corner the female, young female market because we have princesses for that. They can buy the princess costumes. Mm. And it's not really a good enough reason not no, to. Not. So, no. yeah. Well, that's very interesting. I will read up more about that. And I'm sure we'll We'll probably touch on it as the films go on and as the series goes on and we get other 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 female characters. Yeah, exactly. And I think people you'll, you'll understand the justice for Black Widow movement at some point <laughs> in the future as well. <laughs> I love how we call it a movement, like it's like it, <laughs> like it's a proper political party. <laughs> it's like a small Reddit subfaction. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Hmm. Took us down a deep path. There was a very deep path. I feel cerebral. Mm. and socially aware as a result of that. 
I'm glad, considering it was Age of Ultron as well. <laughs> no, yes. When it, what, it, what you call the forgettable one. Yeah. We should do a quiz. Okay, hang on. Let me fetch it. You know what the first question is? How much money do you reckon it made? Oh, I bet it made loads of money, regardless of what people said. I think it made over a billion. Yeah. 1.1 billion. 1.4 billion. 1.4. That's insane. That's it. A billion is an insane amount of money. But how crazy is it that it's only the fourth highest grossing film of that year? Really? What was the highest? Gosh, I have no idea. I need to go. Do you want me to find out? Yes, I must know. (laughs) Highest grossing film of 2015. Was there a a Pirates of the Caribbean film that year? No, but there was a Jurassic World. Uh, Oh, and there was a Star Wars. And there was a Furious movie. Oh, they make lots of money. There's car movies. People love those. Mm. I don't think I should call them the car movies, but the car movies. <laughs> bit bit reductive. Yeah. Well, the people probably say the same about this. They're like those superhero movies. <laughs> yeah. What do you believe it got on Rotten Tomatoes? I think based on what you've told me, I'm gonna go because uh, initially I was gonna go like high 80s. I think I'm gonna go a bit lower. I'm gonna go with like 79, 80. Yeah, you're right, 76. 76. That's yeah. quite low, actually. It was low for a Marvel film, actually. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes keeps it quite vague as to why that is. And it, you know, it's eye popping, but it's overstuffed, mostly satisfying, bit unwieldy, blah, blah, blah. You know, they don't go into the whole upset many women. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, they don't want to touch that issue right now. No. You know what I find quite funny? Um, we haven't got onto some of the female superhero movies yet, but later down the path, men get upset by some of the female superhero movies because they're like, fucking women with their like you know telling us not to smile and all this they get a bit up in arms and it becomes a big thing but with this the when the women had a complaint which seemed quite valid they were all like fucking women with their moaning it's the sheer hypocrisy of it isn't it i know um, so easily triggered i'm like you're easily triggered because you can't even cope with a female superhero in a own movie and like if they make one thing with a female lead one superhero movie with a female lead and it gets like one bad review and they go well it obviously shows that women can't do it as well as men it's like no you men have been making extremely mediocre male driven films for decades right <laughs> in fact, there's so much more pressure on the female superheroes to do make a killing at the box or something obviously they're like oh you're nothing you're redundant you're dead we don't need you exactly and it's like why can't women just make mediocre films just as much as the men can like please let us be mediocre we want you (laughs) (laughs) why um did they have more stunt women for scarlett johansson in this film than before Ooh, um does she do more stunts Unless she was pregnant, which is ironic with the whole sterilisation thing. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a bit ironic, isn't it? Yeah, they had three stunt doubles, but apparently they all looked really like her. And the other actors would sometimes just not realise it wasn't her. Chris Evans was like, I was just chatting to one of them. And then I realised halfway through the conversation it was Scarlett. And I was like, not all women look the same. That'd be very flatter- flattering, though, that you look like her. I know. I'd dine out on that for months. I'd be like, Chris yeah. Evans! for I was Scarlett Johansson I can't believe it um, and they also used that CGI to just hide the stomach um, how do you think they got James Spader to look as tall as Ultron put him on stilts um, no he wore antenna with a antenna tool. oh like I know because oh, he was in a green suit yeah and they had little red balls on the top that were like his eyes so they knew where his eyes were and apparently Elizabeth Olsen would just because he's apparently such a good actor, <laughs> she'd just be looking at his face and then the director would be going, red balls, red balls! <laughs> she'd be like, oh! 
Um, what happened on James Spader's first day on set? Did he get injured? No, it's one of those really poncy stories. I'm so sorry. Oh. I was so impressed by him that they had to stop to applaud and cheer after his first take. I can imagine myself sitting there like, what the hell are you doing? I've been in cinemas where people have applauded when the film stops. I'm like, what are you doing? They're in, the actors aren't there. They can't I, hear you. I find that quite cute because it's normally in cinema screenings where it's a lot of an older audience. I've realised it's like when I would see, oh, what did I see? Great exotic Marigold Hotel. And they applauded that. They applauded that at the end. And I was like, oh, it's so sweet because they're all like the old, it's like a little respectful thing from the elderly people in the audience. I was like, oh, how adorable. Do you know why they hired James Spader? He's a very good actor. Very much. Just was like, he was my only choice because his voice is so magnetic. Mm. But then they make it sound all metally, so I don't know. He is good though. I thought he did it very well. He, yeah, he's one of the good villains, I'd say. Mm, yeah, really good. Okay, so the trailer was released on YouTube. How many reckon? How many times do you think it was viewed in the first 24 hours? Probably like several million. Do you want to hazard a number? 100 million. <laughs> that's way too many. You went oh. way too far. 34 million. Several well, that's million. disappointing now. <laughs> I know, you went several to 100 million in like the space of a heartbeat. <laughs> um, that broke a record, the one... The person who previously held that was Iron Man 3. And did you spot Stan Lee? Yeah, he was at the party and he got drunk. And he had, he took a shot of something of thought from Asgard, like a drink from Asgard or something. And he had to get escorted out. Yes. Um, apparently it's a slight inside joke that he plays a war veteran. Because while he did, Stanley actually join the army, he never went into battle. They used his powers as a comic writer instead. Uh. <laughs> He came up with slogans for posters and stuff. You still a useful, useful power. Pretty much, it was for like you know, like I got sexual diseases and stuff. Like posters about that, like don't do that, naughty soldiers. It's bad. Mm. So he had to come up with slogans, and they were drawn by the guy, Doctor Seuss. Oh really? Oh, yeah. that's fun. That's a fun little team up movie. I'd like to see. Yeah, they should make a <laughs> film about that. <laughs> yeah. Who do you reckon had the most screen time, superhero wise, in this film, and who had the least? Most, I would go with Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Least, Falcon. He's not included, I'm sorry. Vision? It was Vision. So I will do it. Vision had like eight minutes and 41 seconds. Okay. Four had 14 minutes and 18 seconds on screen. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye had almost 20 minutes. Um, Scarlet Witch had almost 21 minutes. Uh, Bruce Banner had 24 minutes, roughly. Mm-hmm. Quicksilver randomly despite dying on screen he had like almost 27 minutes so he beat his sister who lives well he's always he's he never does anything but he's always there next to her yeah that's true mm. um black widow got 33 minutes nice um iron man got 45 and a half minutes and captain america she got 50 minutes and a half wow okay there's a twitter account i follow where they break down films in that way and yeah. it's really interesting finding out because who you think might have the most or the least is never who you think it is so silence of the lambs classic example anthony hopkins is on screen he he won best actor for this and he's so highly regarded he's on screen for about 14 minutes it's crazy isn't it and then roundup of like scene stealing actors oh film stealing actors who just were barely in it and like malfoy's on there with barely any time in it yeah doesn't he get like a minute per film or something yeah 
My father will hear of this. Gone. Never see yeah, him again. That's all he needs to do. <laughs> Where do you think this film ranks in like terms of like say each film of the Marvel Universe like and its number of visual special effects? Ooh, quite high. It is number one. It's, it's number one. Most ever. Three thousand special effects. Out of all Marvel films. To date. So to even date. the ones I haven't seen yet. No, no, no. As in like to this film. To this Oh, film. up to this. Okay, fine. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy had the most beforehand. Do you know what the first word spoken in a film by an Avenger is? Is it when someone someone says something where like they say the word ass and Captain America says language? They say shit. <laughs> they say shit. Ah, okay. <laughs> but I quite like that because normally Disney sort of buried that in the middle and they were like, it's going to be the first word this time. Why not? Do you know what the expression is they use to calm down the Hulk? Oh, I can't remember it now. No, I can't remember. But there was there was a repeated expression they used. It's like a bit of poetry, isn't it? Um, it's the sun's getting real low, which is in the comic books. <laughs> I feel calm already. Apparently in the comic books, though, it was actually when he would transform. But here it's the other way around. Tony Stark referenced it. Like he's like, oh, my Ultron program will bring us peace in our time, which is based on someone from history. Peace in our time. Is that JFK? No, it's Neville Chamberlain. Um, oh. It's when he rocked back to the UK after doing his negotiations with adult Hitler. And he's like, yeah, peace for our time. No war with us. It's all going to be great. <laughs> How'd that work out for you, Neville? Yeah, he did not do a great job. People were like, oh, it's not very fair because, you know, it did give us time to build up our arms industry. But also, mm-hmm. peace for our time is a bit of a sweeping statement. So yeah. it's going to sort of echo that, like, it's it's wrong and he's incorrect. Did you spot any product placement in the film? No, not that I recall. You didn't feel compelled to go and buy anything straight after watching it. <laughs> um, no, well, I did go shopping, but it was Christmas shopping. Well, we'll see if you bought any. So Hawkeye's barn has a vintage metal sign for Gillette razor blades. All right. Banner is also using one, a Gillette razor, later on. Mm. And then Quicksilver has Adidas running shoes. Gillette and Adidas did some deals with Marvel and Disney, did they? And then the last one is more of a fact, I guess, but I'm going to phrase it as a question. This is the most expensive sci-fi movie to date, as in when it was filmed, but it's the most second most expensive movie ever behind another film. Right, so in 2015, it was the second most expensive film. What was the first? Yes. That's much Avatar. Better. Avatar. No. Oh. I didn't even know Avatar came up, but randomly, no. It was Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Oh. And that was that. I was going to like end on the whole Natasha, but I had to do it beforehand because I was... It came up as a topic, naturally. Yes, me enforcing it every couple of seconds. Like, did you spot it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep an eye out for more of that. It's just interesting because that's what all anyone remembers of this film who watched it, I guess, in at the time like you've come in later so you weren't really engaging I guess with the Twitter conversations and the yeah yeah it was almost you've got to write a history book about what people said about various points in these various films yeah a very large history book (laughs) a compendium to the Marvel (laughs) Universe well what's next next is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season two Oh, fuck off. Because <laughs> you've got to get through 22 episodes of that. <laughs> there may be a small gap between this episode and the next one. <laughs> yes, that's completely fair. And then what's after that? Give me something to hope towards. Oh, um, after that, you've um, expressed liking already for the next couple of ones. So after that, it's Ant-Man. 
and then it's Jessica Jones season oh. one. Well, I'm excited for those. I have to get through one hurdle to get to the ones I want to watch. It is long. I mean, why would you make a 24 episode season anymore? No, no one needs that. We just want stuff that we can binge quickly. If you treat Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as, so every episode is 45 minutes, so I think it comes to about 16 and a half hours. Treat yeah. it as like a 16 and a half hour film with a break every couple of hours. So then it's just eight <laughs> episodes. Yay, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I'll try that. All right, fine. Good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Version. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Version. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune into the next fact filled episode.